Hello, my name is Daniel Marino, and I'm here with my friend David Grossman, and this is Motion Martial Arts Podcast. So today we're going to talk about the subject of self-defense in martial arts. Dave, if you want to kind of Yeah, so this is a, I'm David Grossman, and we're going to talk about self-defense today, which is a little bit of, well, I guess all around sort of a touchy subject, and there is a lot of really bad self-defense classes out there, and there's some good self-defense thing but it's kind of an extremely you know controversial subject across the board yeah i think right off the bat that touches on a really good kind of and maybe a little bit of a controversial point about it is that a lot of the time and coming from karate background yeah i do too i'm sure it's similar with jujitsu you have a lot of people that will say that they practice self-defense and somehow that it's something that's totally separate from Fighting, so which is something like, hey, that wouldn't work against a professional fighter. People would be like, oh, this is for self defense. It's something completely different. Yeah, uh, so that definitely happens a lot, and traditionally in jujitsu, kind of uh, going back to the old school stuff, the self defense was part of the curriculum across the board, and that has been phased out a lot more and more now as time goes. And there's lots of people that believe it is outdated because of this idea of. Well, nobody's going to do that in an MMA match, but MMA is a sport, and that is something huge to keep in mind. Is MMA is a sport, and they're like, as far as what we do at the school that I teach at, um, we break the self defense into two different groups. So there is what we would consider a gentle, like a gentlemanly duel. The hey, I'm going to beat you up right now, so you know that the physical altercation is going to occur. Like, you know, hey, this person is going to fight me, which that would replicate a little bit more of an MMA fight to a certain extent. But there's still rules in an MMA fight. Nobody's going to be able to headbutt you, for example, or strike you in the groin or fish hook you or bite your ear off. Um, And then we break it down to the other thing, which is somebody grabs you. You are not expecting an attack. Mm -hmm. So somebody maybe grabs you from a choke from behind. So we break it into those two groups to begin with, um, which is... Again, it's a little bit different, I feel like, than the way most people train self-defense, especially in jiu-jitsu. But the self-defense aspect in jiu-jitsu, because of the fight game in MMA, and again, I, to a certain extent, it is a game. It is a sport. Um, it's kind of been phased out in jiu-jitsu. So people aren't working on, like, hey, somebody grabs you by the collar, what do you do? Sure. Somebody throws a haymaker punch, what do you do? Yeah. How do you close the distance safely? Those things are not being taught at as much as they used to. There's still a ton of schools that do that, but it used to be like universally taught in jujitsu. Yeah. And that's not the case anymore. So there's a teacher who I've spent a lot of time with. His name is Ian Abernethy. He's pretty well known in karate community. And he's a guy who, who concentrates specifically on self-defense based training. And the way that he breaks it down, I think is a really good way of looking at it is that you have consensual versus non-consensual violence. And although there's a lot of overlap between the two, you know, those are not the same thing. You know, at the end of the day, what self-defense is, is that someone means to attack me and I don't want to fight. What things like MMA or other area you know, Brazilian, like sport jiu-jitsu, other, other, you know, forms of, of competitive martial arts are, is, you know, you and I want to figure out who's better, often a specific set of skills with a specific rule set that we agreed to. So I think the mistake that gets made a lot with self-defense guys that 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 concentrate on self-defense is that you know you don't want to assume that there's isn't value to 
you know, sporting martial arts. And like, I'm not going to say that like you take a, a decent MMA fighter, a decent kickboxer, I'm sure a decent jujitsu competitor yeah. that they're not going to have a lot of skills that absolutely transfer to self-defense, but that still isn't what they're training for. And for your average person that, you know, just wants to take up martial arts and, you know, they don't plan on competing at a very high level, but they just, they want to have something as a part of their lifestyle that gives them some skills that can help them to protect themselves in the event that they're attacked. It doesn't always make sense to train like a fighter, to train like, you know, like, like you're going up against another highly skilled, highly trained, you know, opponent. That's not the nature of self-defense. It's not the nature of criminal violence. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. But it's also important to talk about the flip side of that. And I understand, to a large extent, some of the complaints, at least from the jiu-jitsu world, but I feel like it's universally sort of a common complaint about practicing the self-defense things kind of like a robot. Sure. And that creates bad habits because the statement that I think nails it right on the head is that you are going to fight how you train. Mm -hmm. So like, it's so important that you are figuring out a way to keep it real to a certain extent. Um, And it's not easy because it's never, there's no proper way or, you know, best way yet that we know to simulate what an attack is going to be like. Sure. Um, Yeah. And yeah, all you can do is, is, you know, try to do drills that replicate it as, as well as you can. Like there's one thing we do all the, all the time that we call the circle of awareness, which is one person goes into the circle and then somebody attacks them. They don't know who. And, you know, it's sometimes we put gloves on, sometimes we don't, sometimes just slaps. But, you know, it's like try not to, one person tries to not use jujitsu and be the attacker. The other person only uses jujitsu. But again, that's not realistic because even though I'm a grappler in a fight, I'm probably going to maybe throw punches or knees sure. or kicks. You know, it's not that I'm yeah. not going to do those things. So everything has its flaws. But at the end of the day, the biggest and most important thing is that you don't kind of... uh I'm I'm not saying anything that I feel like everybody who trains doesn't know already. There's a lot of people sort of selling snake oil and selling these sort of fake self-defense classes and and things that are... These techniques are too deadly. Yeah. Too deadly to work in a sporting setting. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, we're like, uh, I I mean, the, probably the most outrageous one I've ever heard is, uh, if somebody were to get on top of you in a fight or an attack, tickle them and they will get off (laughs) i I had somebody tell me that um you know we're like oh like i I personally think that the eye gouging groin strikes fish hook thing is very very much overstated because the person is attacking you they are already going to be assuming that you are going to fight with dirty techniques because they believe yeah. that they have a physical advantage or they wouldn't be choosing to attack you. Yeah, I would agree with that. And that, you know, it's like stuff like that, you know, eye gouging, groin strikes. It's like, although those are options that you have and, you know, they can, it makes a difference. They can be useful. It's like, it's not so critical that, you know, you're going to say, oh, you know, what you're doing wouldn't work at all because you're not taking into account groin strikes. You know, it's ridiculous. It's kind of... Yeah, uh... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like such a hard topic, you know, uh, 
one of the things that I really love about what we do at where I train and I, I'm lucky enough, you know, to teach kids classes and adult basic classes, uh, is we put the gloves on and it's not necessarily to do damage to the other person, but it's to sort of create a positive response out of the flight or, or fight response yeah, and start to sort of, yeah, take the flinch response because most of us do not want to get hit. If you want to get hit, you probably are getting paid money to get hit. You're probably a professional fighter, um, you know, and, and that's great. That's awesome. Sure. Um, well, I yeah. want to go back to a point you were talking about a little bit earlier, and um, I want to talk about one of my favorite authors on the subject of self-defense and martial arts in general is a guy named Rory Miller. And um, if I remember correctly, there was a statement in one of his books where he said something to the effect of that, you know, we want our training to be realistic, but by necessity, it's never real. Yeah. You know, because as long as whatever you're doing in the class, as long as you as you don't have the intent to injure one another, yeah. then you're not really being attacked. And there's no way that we ever, you know, like that is something you constantly need to address in your training in that there are deliberate flaws that we bring into our training that are necessary for safety. That is coming from a striking background, you know, that like when you are sparring with each other, you know, there might be a fair amount of contact, you know, I'm sure some people train a little bit rougher than others, but you know, in general, you know, you're not constantly, you're not getting out there and trying to knock each other out every time you spar because you can't train that way. Or if you, you actually, you can train that way, but most people prefer <laughs> not to train that way because yeah. you don't want, it's not worth the wear and tear on your body, especially if you're living in, you know, a relatively safe environment. That it's like, oh, I might get attacked one day, so I need to go to this, you know, martial arts school and, you know, like bang the hell on my body every night, you know, experience a lot of different injuries because I might get hurt out there getting attacked. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Well, I mean, and, and this is not something we're going to go into in depth right now, but um, it's something for that we're going to talk about in the future is the motivations across the board of why people train. You're going to have so many different reasons. And regardless of what anybody wants to say, I probably think if we look universally at martial arts, most people training martial arts are kids. Sure. And the context of where they'll be using these techniques is a huge part of how an instructor is going to relay this information. And the reality is that most of the people that are invested in martial arts long term probably even if at one point they needed self-defense and they needed martial arts in order to become tough or, you know, overcome whatever physical disadvantages they might have had, once you're deep into that world, you probably are not a person who needs the self-defense techniques anymore because you're probably, for the most part, one of, to a certain extent, somebody who's desensitized again, to a certain extent, to doing violent things, yeah. right? You, if you're training regularly for, like, I mean, again, I think people that train martial arts and specifically Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu will understand. So I've been training for eight years and I train probably on average six days a week Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I am a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So in the grand scheme of things, I am in the middle part of my journey towards just becoming a black belt, you know? And again, I'm committed to martial arts for life. 
So the journey, I'm not really in the halfway part, hopefully, of my journey, because hopefully I'm going to live more than, you know, eight more years than this. But uh, I think that if I were to get attacked right now, I probably have the ability to handle myself. But the average person is probably going to train in martial arts for two years. What would you want to give a person who you know you're only going to have for one to two years? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, and, you know, I love all the stuff in jiu-jitsu across the board. Everything. You know, like things that I do not think have any value in a fight. And I do not think that the guys that are good at those things are stupid enough to do that stuff in a fight. Which is a huge controversial topic in jiu-jitsu. It's like, of course I'm not going to do spider guard in a fight. And I agree. Like, I love the X guard. Which, again, guys that know jiu-jitsu are going to understand. It's a position that was made pretty popular by a guy named Marcelo Garcia. It's not something I would do in a fight. It's for other skilled people. Sure. Um, but I also can do a shitty, sorry for cursing, but a shitty double leg takedown on most people and get them down to the ground. I'm not even, a, a you know, like good wrestlers can do a good double leg takedown. I can do a pretty crappy double leg takedown, get somebody down on the ground, pass to them out, punch them in the face a couple times. They're going to spin to... To their back, and I'm going to choke them out, and that's probably all going to happen in 30 seconds. Yep. And you know that's that's the reality. Now, again, that's me. What can somebody you're only going to do for a half for a year? What do they need? I don't know if that's what they need, and I don't also know if that's necessarily in every situation the best path, because probably the best path is trying to remove yourself from the situation as yeah, yeah. as possible. Well, I think that's a big point right there. Is that it's like the reality is, although self defense, I think should be a part of martial arts practice. You can practice self-defense without ever doing martial arts. Locking your door at night is a good self-defense skill. Yeah. Carrying mace is a good self-defense skill. Being able to recognize, being able to recognize, you know, that you're in danger, recognize the situation, escalating and removing yourself from it is a good self-defense skill. It's a self-defense is something that goes like way beyond martial arts is say like it's not it's not something that you even really need martial arts to to say that you practice but it, it helps to have some physical skills that you can use yeah like so that. i agree i will say and again i feel like this is something for a whole nother episode mm -hmm. the weapons thing i have mixed feelings on i feel like if you are going to carry any weapon mace knife gun you need to be spending the same amount of time that we spend on the martial arts you know so like <laughs> sure like, like you want consider training like, like, mace and martial art though. yeah yeah but it, it is like, yeah, like yeah. do you know yeah. how you get attacked from behind you aren't yeah. expecting it how easy is it to get your mace out how easy is it to get your pepper spray out how easy is it to get your knife or gun like i mean again like you have to be practicing these scenarios regularly. If you have a gun in your house, do you know how long it will take you to get your gun wherever you keep it? And some people keep it in a gun safe. How long will it take you to get it out, get it loaded, ready to fire if somebody breaks into your house and is ready to attack you? Yeah, when you're under that kind of pressure too. Exactly. Yeah. And then now, again, this is a super deep conversation, which I, I don't think we can go into right now. But you start to look at how many times people are randomly attacked or how many random break-ins there are, random muggings, they are slim. Sure. Most crimes and most attacks are what we consider crimes of passion. Yeah. So that means that the person knows you in some way and they have a personal vendetta. You have taken money from them. You slept with somebody's girlfriend or boyfriend. 
you know, you did something that this person feels like they personally have been wronged. They're often both drunk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah. it's the case, sometimes yeah. it's not, you know, but that's the reality of the situation. Sure. The random attack does not even happen that often. And then even within that context. So right now we talked about crime of passion briefly, which again is something we will have to go in more in depth in a whole nother episode. But then you also have this kind of just period, how often is an attack random? And it's pretty slim. Unless you're living a kind of less than a stellar lifestyle. But most of the times it's like, Somebody is seeing you go through the jog at this park every day at the same time. They might even smile and say hello to you every day, but they're just trying to study your routine so they can be like, okay, I know that you come through the park at this time and there's nobody around. Yep. Now's my chance to get you. Yeah, and you know, I think that stuff like that, that's I think most um, experts whose books I've read, whose seminars I've trained at on this subject, you know, they, they, seem to, you know, just about unanimously agree that, you know, simple methods of avoidance of avoidance and awareness are, you know, ultimately more effective than any physical skill that you might learn. Like that's your first line of defense, knowing how to recognize danger, knowing how to de-escalate a situation, how to remove yourself from potentially violent situation. And then, you know, I think the way that it was put to me once though it really struck me was that, you know, like the physical skills are for one, like when everything else goes wrong and you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you fail to de-escalate the situation, you don't have the option of removing yourself from it, that's when your physical skills come into play. So it just comes to the point that, you know, I think you were, you were talking about earlier, that, you know, like very, very few martial artists exclusively train self-defense. And it's something that honestly, I have no interest of doing. Like there has to be some sort of, you know, sporting, you know, like, athletic kind of element to your training because it keeps you engaged but you also can go too far from it where there's no part of your training that is specifically addressing the way that you are likely to be attacked and the kind of situation you're likely going to have to defend yourself in yeah and but i agree with you 100 percent. but it also happens on the extreme end the other way where people are doing these again robot like self-defense drills where yeah. it's like well, somebody like, like, I, again, I don't want to bad mouth any martial art because I think training period is, is, is great. No matter what, whatever it is, you know, I feel like it's such an important part of, of, of life. And again, not everything is for everyone, but, uh, I feel like there's these drills that are just robot like that, where it's like, they're never talking about what if somebody just comes up and they throw a sloppy haymaker and try to take your head off with a punch. Yeah. Well, I can <laughs> what if somebody throws a sloppy tackle and just tries to tackle you to the ground? What do you do? Do you know how to get up off the ground? Yeah. Do you know how to prevent somebody from just doing a sloppy tackle? Well, we touched on that in our specialization podcast we did a yeah. few months ago that it's like, and it was something, another, forget where I heard it, but it was another, you know, just saying that really struck me hard with that is that, you know, like karate guys tend to get really good at fighting other karate guys, <laughs> you know, and I imagine probably similar with jujitsu guys grappling because like, that's yeah. who you're training with. That's what you're doing all the time. So it's something that, and I understand, you know, the issue that like in terms of how do we really simulate, you know, like a criminal attack in your training, it's not an easy thing to do, but I don't think that it's a good idea just not to address it at all. Because the fact is that nobody, you know, like I use an example from the striker world, you know, I come from 
Korean karate background, you know, very heavy with our kicks. We do a lot of kicking. And it's like, so I can spend, you know, years of my life, just countless hours, you know, practicing on like a defense against a round kick, like a defensive spin kick. Anybody who's Taekwondo, Tongue Sudo would know what I'm talking about. A defensive spin. Somebody comes in at you with a round kick, you turn into it, you throw a back kick, you throw a wheel kick, something like that. It's like that can be a really effective technique when you're fighting someone with a skill set that you can that you're familiar with and you can rely on. You know what they're going to do. It's not going to really serve you at all in a situation someone's doing something completely different than that. You know, we talk about criminal violence. Somebody's just throwing big sloppy haymakers at you. But also another martial art. You know, I'm fighting a jujitsu guy and I'm just waiting for my opportunity to throw my wheel kick. It's like, that's not gonna, <laughs> that's not gonna end too well for me. Well, know? I mean, it's, it's, again, we can we could talk about this for a while. There, there is. I guess two things I want to say, and these are probably going to be the last two points that I bring up on this, you know, in, in this conversation. This is something we'll touch again, uh, on again, definitely in the future. Uh, I personally, again, I am not a striker, but I do not, personally, I don't think in a f- real life fight, if there's a lot of value of kicking above the hips, but I'm not a striker. That's generally accepted. But but, case, but yeah. uh, I, I just think that that, yeah, you know, I mean, I can't, I can't throw a, a good leg kick to save my life, but I understand the value of you blast. You, and I think there was a video making rounds recently of some guy got attacked and he, he like did one awful leg kick. The dude like was limping and then he blasted. Not he knocked him over. It was yeah. a video. It was in parking lot. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And he doesn't, even, he doesn't even shoot a good double yeah. leg takedown, a crappy double leg takedown. Like I was talking about earlier and knocks the dude out. One leg kick, one double leg takedown. Boom, it's over. Yep. And like, like that's all you need for self-defense, but that, that says a lot. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on, which is something you a word you used multiple times, which I think is so important in talking about self-defense, de-escalate the violence. And like one thing that we talk about where I teach jujitsu a lot in our kids' classes is avoid the fight at all costs, but when physically attacked, defend yourself at all costs. Which is, I think, such an important concept. So it's like, if you can de-escalate the violence, de-escalate the violence. Like, so to me, personally, I think that it's a bad idea to convince people that you are going to have the ability to gouge somebody's eye out. Yeah. Like, you are not, no, and, and this is not everyone, but you are not gouging anybody's eyes out. Yeah. The average person would start to do that and would probably be so repulsed about what they're trying to do that they're going to hesitate and that would get you killed. Sure. Well, listen, we've seen, <laughs> we've seen what eye gouging looks like, you know, and stuff like MMA. Yeah, yeah. Stuff too. Like a lot of time think like you're going to like have somebody's eyeball stuck to your finger. You know, after you do it. <laughs> it's like eye gouging as far as I've, you know, been exposed to it is like it's a method maybe of getting your attacker's hands you know somewhere else that it's like you can force them to react to it that's it it's like the idea that you're gonna be able to stop you know any kind of high level technique by just putting your finger in somebody's eyes like let's just say extremely optimistic would be an understatement to say would be a way of putting it yeah i mean i i i i yeah, I, I actually, again, you're escalating the violence, which sure. means now you've taken this person who is already wired on adrenaline, already trying to cause you physical harm, and you've just given them the extra adrenaline rush 
to now and an actual rush of anger, an extra rush of anger, now they're going to probably destroy you, you know? Sure. And, and now maybe, again, who knows? You know, it, it all depends on what you think is going to happen. And, you know, it's like, we have to make these decisions on the fly. It's split-second decisions. And that would make this such a, you know, a sort of controversial topic. Yeah. Like, somebody pulls a knife on you and goes, give me your wallet. I would just throw my wallet... Give me your car keys. Here, take the car. I don't care. Yeah. But you know, it's a split second decision. And what if you give them that and then they still decide to hurt you? You don't, Absolutely. you don't know, you know? And, and like, I mean, God bless people that work in law enforcement and the military, you know, that stuff. It's a split second decision. If you make the wrong choice, everybody rips you apart. Sure. And it's like, well, they've never been in those situations themselves you literally have a split second to make a decision. And, you know, like, if it's the wrong decision, it could be your life. It could be your career. You know, it, it, it's such a hard, hard decision, you know. And, sure. And it, it's not, there's there's no no right or wrong answer in most of those situations. Again, it's a split second decision. So one more subject that I think we should touch on just before we wrap it up is just um, the concern that you brought up multiple times i believe that self-defense practice often is you know kind of these scripted drills where you have somebody yeah. doing something that's like you know like that it might even be a realistic you know attack the way somebody might attack you but you're just practicing in a totally static scripted way and um that certainly is you know a mistake to think that 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 kind of practice alone is probably a good place to start if you want to learn if you know if you want to start developing a skill set that's specifically for you know defense against criminal violence but it won't give you a a practice like a really a a effective skill set that you can apply in the moment i would agree with that entirely which is why sparring is so important but it kind of brings you back to the issue as soon as we start sparring by necessity, we create a sporting element yeah. to our practice. Now, but what I would say is, is that, you know, just the, the way that in my training, you know, the way that I teach, the, the what I think could, a lot of people could benefit from to try to address the practical in their training better is just be careful about, you know, the way that you spar, you know, think about the, the rules that you're agreeing to when you spar. Often, you know, you're not even really entirely conscious of them coming from a karate background and stuff is like can somebody grab a hold of you when we spar it's like oh no we don't do that <laughs> and it's like well why oh because the tournaments we go to nobody does that it's not something you need to learn you know to be successful in the sporting aspect of what we do and a big development that i've done in my training lately is i've just started practicing clinching skills where you know we'll we'll be sparring you know typical karate way and then we'll clinch up and we'll spar in close, close range striking, you know, putting takedowns into it and joint locks into it. And that's one of the reasons why I'm practicing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with you is because my plan is in the future, I want to add, you know, ground fighting to that as well. Yeah, well, I mean, that again, I think we're about to wrap it up, but uh, I think it comes back to the idea that you have to kind of, to a certain extent, keep an open mind and train multiple things, you know, and... and to me, in my personal opinion, I'm not a person who, who uh, owns a gun, but uh, you need to have an understanding of how a gun works. You need to have an understanding of how a knife works. You need to have an understanding of how to throw punches and kicks and knees and headbutts and elbows. 
You need to have an understanding of how to prevent a takedown, how to do a takedown. You need to have an understanding of if you it ends up on the ground, what do you do? You know, uh, so there is no perfect system. Each person needs to find whatever system they or martial art or self-defense thing they want to master. And then from there, you start to add aspects of the other th- other things hopefully if you have the time not gotta round it out but but like yeah that's kind of how it has to work Mm -hmm. um you know and and hopefully you know that that's one of the main things i think we're really trying to accomplish here is having people keep an open mind there's so much and of like you know i do this thing and because i do this thing it's the best thing yep And, and that's not not the case, you know, everybody needs to keep an open mind, respect other people's journeys and processes and what they're doing. And then, you know, start to be like, Hey, well, even though I personally like this thing and I think this thing is best for me, like I personally think for me, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and grappling is what works best for me. And I, I'm talking literally right now, but I also understand the benefits of me learning some striking, like, sure. You know, learning how to throw a good leg kick and some elbows would benefit me greatly, you know, and improving on those things. Again, having better understanding of a knife and a gun and it, it is, is huge. And, and you know, like uh, it, it, it's stuff that, in my opinion, you cannot be closed-minded. The people that are closed-minded are not going to get – pretty much you're not going to understand self-defense and you're not going to be able to handle yourself if somebody does something that you're not used to. You know, you have to kind of eventually develop a well-rounded thing. And self-defense is a lifestyle decision. Like it's not, oh, I can go do this two-day course and now I know self-defense. No, it is a lifestyle decision like eating right or, you know, making decisions for your own physical health or your mental health or going to work to make money. Some people are not committed to a healthy lifestyle. Some people are not committed to a lifestyle where self-defense is important. But if you are committed to self-defense or health, you know, it is something that you have to focus on day in and day out, you know, like, and it's small things like, Hey, do I do this walk down the street all the time with my headphones in and the music too loud? I should probably stop that. Yeah. Uh, Simple preventative measure. Exactly. You know, it, it, it is more than just training martial arts. It is every decision. Hey, could I lose 15 pounds because right now I'm overweight and out of shape. And if I need to pick up my kid and run, I'm not going to outrun anybody. Mm-hmm. If there's a fire that breaks out in my home or apartment complex, well, I'm so out of shape that I cannot kick down the door and get my kid out of the room. If there's fire, like these are things that you need to be thinking about people that are focused on self-defense should be thinking about these things every day. Yeah. And that all that stuff is easily as important as this fantasy scenario we often build up in our heads that, you know, there's muggers around the corner everywhere exactly. you go. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I think it's a good place to wrap it up. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, talk to you later.